three, two, one. You ready? You're listening to the Real Pineapple Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This is The Real Pineapple. It's your humble host, Hunter, here. Hope you guys are staying safe out there through uh, this insanity. Um, I'm definitely sending prayers your way. Hoping everything is uh, going as well as it can, given the circumstances, and that you guys are staying safe. So, I have a review for a show that I actually finished last week, but I've been... I've been not hesitant is not the right word. I've been kind of unsure on how to approach this review. If I'm being completely honest, as as I try to be whenever I uh, record for you, uh, for you guys. So I'm reviewing hashtag and I'm putting the hashtag in there. Hashtag Black AF, which is the newest Netflix show uh, show by uh, Kenya Barris who. Of course, you know from Blackish is the big one that a lot of people know him from. I did not realize he wrote the latest uh, Shaft movie, which I actually enjoyed. Didn't love, but enjoyed. Uh, he also did, uh, uh, of course, did Grownish. He's on um, the writer on there and Mixish. But uh, he actually was a writer on Girls Trip, and Girls Trip I actually found pretty fun. I think they're doing a Girls Trip too, if memory serves. I could be wrong, but. Um, He's had a lot of success, uh, Kenya Barris, and so I believe this is part of his new Netflix deal that he signed, that I think I read it was like $100 million, I want to say. So he's going to be on Netflix for a while, and I got to be honest, guys, I know he wrote the uh, Coming to America uh, uh, sequel that's coming out, uh, should be coming out this year, unless it gets pushed back, which at this point probably will happen, but... Um, I gotta be honest, guys, this, if this is the type of quality he's gonna be bringing to Netflix, I'm really worried moving forward. I'm worried about coming to America now, if I'm being completely honest, because of this show. Um, So, oh, there's a lot I wanna talk about, but I'm gonna try to keep this relatively short. So, let's start with him. Let's start with Kenya Barris. So, he stars as a uh, fictional, uh, fictional version of himself. And it very, it felt like they were very much trying to go for that curb, uh, basically curb your enthusiasm dipped in chocolate is what they are going for. And here's the problem with that: Larry David on Curb Enthusiasm, they they talk about how much of a piece of crap he is and just how much of a dick he is, and it works for the show. But the show, it's so conflicted on what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be Curb Your Enthusiasm. It doesn't know if it wants to be uh, blackish, you know, with, uh, with a TV MA ed, uh, edge to it, it doesn't really, it's not really sure, and the problem is that Kenya Barris, this version of him, he just comes across like such a self, uh, tone, uh, or just a tone death asshole, so much of the time during this show, there's a point where he's talking to his daughter, uh, uh, uh Drea, who's played, I think really well by, uh, I'm gonna but I might butcher your name, I'm sorry, but, uh, Amon Benson, I'm gonna get to her in a second, but there's a point where he calls her a dickhead, and he talks to her in his cab ride over to meet up with a celebrity that I will get to, uh, talks about on the cab ride over that him and, uh, Rashida Jones's character, uh, Joya Barris, 
they went ahead and had discussion about having an abortion. So about aborting her. I'm like, oh my God, why the fuck would you say that to your to your child? And that's the other thing. This show has six kids. There are six kids in the show. And these episodes aren't short. I I, I mean it's it's they're half hour piece, but they're usually a little longer than half hour. They're usually around the thirty-eight minute mark. They're, I think episode seven, I wanna say, was about forty-eight minutes. So these aren't your traditional, you know, twenty-four minute uh, network t- uh, network uh, length episodes. They're a little longer than that. And I felt at the end of this episode, I felt like the character I knew the most was uh, was Drea. Uh, everyone else, I felt like I really didn't know outside of uh, Joya and Kenya. And here's the thing about their relationship. So I have so much respect for Sheeta Jones. Um, I think she really is underrated. Because she is able to do so many different, uh, able to do so many things. Uh, I loved her, and I love you, man. Of course, Ann Perkins, uh, as uh, from on uh, Parks and Rec, and uh, Karen from The Office. But I think people forget that she worked on the story for Toy Story Four. Like she's a really talented, uh, talented writer, and I don't think that's really brought up enough. She did an episode of Black Mirror too, which I actually saw and enjoyed. Um, I don't believe we reviewed it for the channel, but I thought it was all right. Um, uh, uh, Celeste and Jesse Forever, that uh, kind of romantic dramedy she did with Andy Samberg, which I actually, I thought was fun. Uh, Not fun, but I enjoyed it. And what I haven't reviewed, but I think I'm going to have to, is uh, the documentary she did, uh, Quincy, because of course she's the the, uh, daughter of Quincy Jones. And I thought that uh, documentary was incredibly well done. So it really hurt my heart to see her just playing such a bitch in this because she really is Karen from The Office, that last episode where she calls Pam a bitch. She's that lovable, just petty and vengeful. And the problem is if Joya was kind of just getting jabs in with Kenya and she's kind of the mo- like more of the hands-on mom, uh, it, th- this could have worked. But the problem is they make her so unlikable as as well. It's like Kenny has a big giant hurricane and he's just infecting everyone with his bullshit. And so as I'm sitting there watching the show, I didn't want anything good to happen to really anyone I was watching. And I think that's the big problem because the show kind of plays it off like it's a documentary because uh, Drea is shooting this in a documentary style because she's, uh, it's her film study or her film application into, uh, I want to say it's NYU. And, and so they use that, that style. And what's interesting and frustrating about that is that there's a couple points where she asked, uh, uh, where maybe, uh, like Joya at one point asked, oh yeah, are we rolling yet? And Drea looks her right in the face and goes, no. I mean, if you're an actual director, I mean, that's, I mean, that's lying to who you trust, uh, who trusts you. So that's a really good look. But it really shows that Kenya and Joya, their marriage isn't a marriage. It's a game of one-upsmanship. And it's like that the whole fucking series. And it's really not even fun to watch, but it's very jarring. And it really just makes you kind of sit back and go, why do I want them to be together? I don't want them to be together. I don't think anyone deserves these people. And so when the show tries to kind of have you near the end buy into their marriage, I'm sitting there going, no, I don't buy this at all. I think you're fucking shitty for trying to make me feel like I should. Um, If there is one thing I can't say that I did like about the show... By the way, I, just, I, I know I, just, I mentioned this, but they have six kids. Drea's really the only one you know, learn 
a lot about. All these other kids, and I think that was another problem I had the show, um, unlike something like The Cosby Show, which I know is very taboo to talk about now because Bill Cosby's a monster, but, sorry, a legend monster. <laughs> but, um, but having so many kids means very little time for everyone to get their shine. And when you have so many characters in a show, which this show does... It's hard to get a feel on anyone to really get their pulse and kind of feel feel where they're coming from when everyone's just kind of swapping in and out so quickly. Um, even in eight episodes, like I said, over a half hour piece, I really felt like I didn't learn a lot about. Uh, I, I want to say uh, I think it was Izzy. I think Izzy was yeah yeah Izzy. So Izzy and Drea kind of have this uh, sibling rivalry, which they kind of just throw in episode episode four. I want to say that manifests itself at the end of the, of the uh, season but it, it just felt very ham I just ham fisted to go ahead and put that in there is a whole episode I want to say it's about Chloe uh, who's the youngest daughter where she is uh, she's 12 I believe in the show and her and her white friends are like like booty are like <laughs> saying booty booty shaking just sounded weird but booty twerking I guess whatever but it, so uh, Joy has to have that conversation with her about, you know, why are you putting this on your Instagram and all that. And I found that episode kind of interesting because it does point out, uh, as Drea brings up this whole, uh, this whole concept that we go ahead and we treat, uh, black, uh, black, uh, kids or in particular black women older than they actually are. Like, and how they've done studies on that. And it's called the adultification is the actual term for it now. And the show has these these almost shining light moments where you go, oh, okay. Because it'll throw in something like that or it'll throw in a historical fact. They uh, The first episode where Kenya is really unlikable, he might be his most unlikable episode one. And, and I will give the show this. Kenya got a little less annoying as the show went on, but... Episode one, though, I, I just wanted to choke him, but he has this whole um, this whole diatribe about how showing off, how having swagger, how uh, uh, I think the term he uses is uh, how dripping is in our D, is in our DNA, and he goes back historically to talk about where the term Sunday best came from, and I have to admit, uh, as as a person of color. I had no idea that's where the term Sunday Best came from. And that really makes me go, God, I never want to use that term ever again. Like, wow, because Sunday Best is uh, was a term that was used when uh, back in slavery times where, because things are so even now, but back in slavery times where uh, slave owners would go ahead and, and give the slaves their best uh like church clothes, like buy them church clothes to go ahead and wear the church so that they could go ahead and negotiate with other slave masters, you know, because, you know, Christianity. And I'm sitting there watching, I went, that can't be true. Bullshit. Looked it up. Yeah, it's it's true. And it's, it's very, it's a very, oh, wow, sort of moment. And so I have to give the show credit uh, for that. There's another episode, I want to say it's episode six, I want to say, where, uh, Joya is talking about kind of her journey and the fact that she is half black and how she's you know being quizzed like you know where do you, you know, where do you eat like what's near soul food place you know name name the Jackson Five you know and all of this and I'm sitting there going you know as someone who has friends that are that that are um, that are mixedish as it were 
I understood where she's coming from because that's a conversation I've had to have. I've had to have with people, and it was interesting to hear her perspective, but also be from the female perspective because she also brings up the fact that when the civil rights movement really hit with the the women's movement, how black women were really kind of shoot, uh, kind of almost forced to go ahead and choose the civil rights movement because, um, like, kind of like, are you more of a black person? Or are you more of a woman? And and I found that. I found that very interesting. I was sitting there going, okay, you know what? I really never thought about that perspective. And I find that very interesting. And then the other historical thing they bring up is about black fathers being really handicapped by this country to be dads and how often we've had our kids taken away even before, you know, even for modern times. And it's, it's the problem is that Kenya's the one delivering this shit. Kenny's talking about, you know, how black fathers are getting screwed while he can't remember his kids' birthdays. And you're sitting there like, dude, like, th- th- this is good shit, but it's coming from the wrong source, you know? It would be like, <laughs> never mind, Kevin Spacey, Boy Scout joke, make your own, put in your own punchline. But it, but it, it's really frustrating, though, from that perspective, because I think if you have, you have to have either Joya or Kenya, for me, be, uh, be likable or at least less shitty than they are here they have a fight at the end of episode five where it felt like they're going to break up it felt like they're going to do a breakup storyline but then they end up going on vacation together and avoid each other the whole fucking time because joya lies about this book signing and it almost destroys their marriage and that was really the point where i just went you guys are just not compatible and they're kind of talking throughout the documentary here and there about how, you know, uh, there's this one episode where they go to um, this one music festival and they're kind of talking about how you took Molly one time and how, you know, like they had to, like uh, their babysitter, uh, they'd already dropped off one of the kids or, or uh, I think it was the kid at the time. And the babysitter went, oh, I have an emergency, brought the kid back and they were on Molly tripping the fuck out and how they never got to really have like that young adulthood because i think they said they had their first kid like at 23 i want to say and it's like okay that i mean that sucks but if you're 23 i mean are you not using condoms are you like come on now and i I know that would have been oh god that would have been like what then like like late early 90s late 80s if they're having sex but and I know we know a lot more now than we did then, but come on, condoms, people. like, And so it's really kind of more of a boo-hoo sort of thing when you hear them kind of talking about not having not having childhood. It's like, what, or not being able to kind of wild out. It's like, well, you guys chose this. And it's really frustrating because it comes across so entitled at points because a lot of things we're talking about are just such... Not even I was gonna say they're basic white people problems, but that's not that's not true. It, it's it's stuff like oh I can't get this race car that I want, or oh you know this chain makes me feel like I'm showing off too much. Like it's these very specific problems that I don't think most black people are gonna have and are gonna be able to relate to. So when they go ahead and weave that into the story, I'm kind of sitting there going, well, all right, I can't relate to this. I can't relate to you know having this Vin Diesel car, which is one of the best jokes in the whole fucking show. Uh, there, there's a, um, there's a uh, 
dialogue. They go to the uh, uh, Kenya and the family. They go to some hotel. I want to say not, not the Ritz Carlton. Um, I cannot. Uh, I think it's a five se- uh, four seasons. But um, they went go ahead and they go to this uh, this buffet, this brunch, and they run into a uh, Steve. I cannot remember his last name. I know he created uh, Fraser. He actually did uh, more shows. <laughs> That I like, uh, Steve uh, uh, Levitin, that's the name. Uh, he went ahead and he's created a lot of stuff that I really, I really enjoyed. Going through the list, I was like, wow, I did not realize that he did all these shows. But he did Just Shoot Me. He did Modern Family. Um, he did uh, uh, he did Greg the Bunny. I really liked Greg the Bunny. And I want to say he did, uh, uh, I want to say he did Frasier too. But... I mean, he's been very successful, which, I mean, hey, good for him. But it's really, it's that's probably one of the hardest laughs I got the whole show in eight episodes was in the first ten minutes, and it was because of him. So I don't know what that really tells you, but um, I have to get to the thing about this show that I wanted to throw something through, uh, through my TV. Um Okay, so there's this episode, uh, episode five, where um, where Kenny Barris goes ahead and he watches this uh, black film at a screening, and the crowd's going nuts and woo and all that, and he goes and sees it with uh, with Drea, and Drea and him are kind of looking at each other like, oh my god, do you like this? And Julia went with them, I want to say, and he loved it. And they don't say the the name of the movie or the director's name. They go ahead and they have it kind of bleeped that they have it bleeped out. And what I find so ironic about this episode is that it's bringing up a very great point. Um, it's bringing up the fact that just because something is black doesn't mean that it's good. And I I mean I know I had friends of mine who did not like Black Panther, and they were probably just like, oh, Hunter's a friend, I really don't want to, you know, endure his wrath on this, because, as you guys know, I love Black Panther. But it's it's bringing up that point of, okay, just because something's black, I mean, when you critique it, when you let it slide. And you've heard me talk about this on the podcast many times, just because something's a black film doesn't mean I'm going to go ahead and give it all the praise in the world just for existing. I think that's a incredibly dangerous uh, uh, slippery slope to go on. Uh, We should have higher expectations of ourselves to go ahead and not just exist. We should be trying to thrive. Which brings me to the cameo that happens in this episode. So uh, Kenya is struggling with this. So he goes to New York. Uh, They don't say it, but I think Drea was checking out the campus too. Whatever. But Kenya goes to New York and he goes ahead and meets up with my nemesis, Mr. Tyler Perry himself. And I'm sitting here with I'm sitting here with Alea watching it. And I remember going, as you know, Alea was out of the room because I went, ugh. And she kind of came in, she saw Tyler Perry, immediately turned back around and left, which I mean she was smarter than I was. And here's what's frustrating. Tyler Perry is the one basically being his uh, you know, his Obi-Wan Kenobi, as it were, he's telling him, he's telling him that, you know, oh, uh, Kenya asked him, hey, you know, what about Rotten Tomatoes? You know, I, you know, when I put something out, first thing I do is check Rotten Tomatoes, and Tyler Perry talks about how that's sad, you know, that you, that 
you uh, care about people's approval that much. So Kenya asks him, well, what about you and the Rotten Tomatoes? You know, like the, you know, tomato meter. And he goes, I don't give a fuck. And I'm sitting there going, oh, no. I'm like, please don't let it be him. Please don't let him be the one to give this bullshit speech. And so Tyler Perry goes off on this diatribe about how, uh, you know, I understand that people, some people aren't going to get my stuff. By the way, he says white people. He's talking about, he flouts says it. Like, oh, I understand why white people don't get my stuff. And why are these black filmmakers seeking white approval? Like, yeah, it, it goes on and on about how um, my audience understands me. We're we're creating uh, we're creating something together. You know, I speak their I speak their language. I vibe with them. They vibe with me. I'm making movies for them. I'm speaking our language. Blah 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 blah. And I'm sitting there as a person of color, going, "Fuck you!" Like, like seriously, fuck you. How? Where do you get off saying that shit? I think the thing that made my brain almost fucking melt is when he goes off about the Oscars. He's talking about how uh, I don't understand how these people go ahead, go up and get an Oscars. He's like, he's like, I walked out of that shit halfway through. First off, Medea, I would like to say I think you were the last goddamn person who needs to be talking about anyone winning awards. Number one, number two, that is the only time I ever want to hear Tyler Perry associated with the term Oscar because if Tyler Perry if Tyler Perry wins an Oscar uh, wins an Oscar which God help us all we are in the end times that shit happens but if Tyler Perry wins an Oscar I think that'd be enough for me to never watch Oscars again I think that might do it um yeah Dark Knight not getting Best Picture nomination that was fucking terrible Black Panther not winning Best Picture terrible um I think that might be enough for me to go yep I'm out I'm done because Tyler Perry talking Tyler Perry talking about critiquing anything is just, it's, it's adorable. You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like Jeffrey Dahmer making fun of your dairy, like your eating habits. Like, dude, give me a fucking break. Like Tyler Perry's the last person who needs to be talking about anyone's creativity. And the thing I think the most about that speech in particular that made me just go, nah, man, this isn't, this isn't how this works for you. He always leans back on the fact that he came from the, like, the poor, you know, he started from the bottom, now he's here, he always leans on that shit, you know, oh, my, my mom talked to, talked to me, don't let anyone define your blackness, you define yourself, and it's like, look, I'm telling you that because you are a black director, and you've had, for some reason, the success that you've had, you have even more of a responsibility to not fucking settle, and Tyler Perry settles over and over and over again, You've heard OJ on the podcast. I've, I think I might have brought it up before. Uh, OJ told me off mic one time. He was like, "Look, Tyler Perry did all these Medea movies, built his empire. Now he owns his own studio. You've seen Tyler Perry Studios. He had a giant grand opening for it, like you know, eighteen sound stages. Was the first movie he puts out under his own studio. Uh, Tyler Perry's A Fall from Grace, which is one of the shittiest movies I've seen this year. So he has even less room to fucking talk. He finally had a chance where he doesn't have to answer to anyone but himself, and that's what he goes ahead and puts out. Fuck him. So that whole speech in particular, I I was dropping points by the second, the more he kept talking. And also, by the way, just because you're seeking approval doesn't mean you're seeking white approval. All due respect... Actually, wait. What am I saying? All due respect to Tyler Perry. Fuck Tyler Perry. But... Here's the thing, Get Out won an Oscar a couple years ago. 
Mahershala Ali, he's won back-to-back years Best Supporting Actor. We are getting opportunities more so than ever before. And all due respect to Tyler Perry, uh, again, why do I keep kind of... See, this is how nice I am. I keep trying to say, I'm just trying to be nice. But honestly, though, of all the people to go and talk about that, you have more of a platform than ever before to go ahead and influence black cinema. And you continue to put out this coonish crap over and over again, making your money and leaving and refusing to evolve or attempt to get better. Why should I listen to you? Why should any black person listen to you if I'm being completely honest? And I know that someone will bring up the whole, well, he just, he paid for, what was it, like 10,000 people's groceries or some shit like that. Yeah, that's amazing. But again, what is he? What kind of money does he have to go ahead and do that? Blood money from all the people and all the ignorant shit he's put out. So, yeah, that. But this show ends. The season ends with basically the daughter saying, um, because earlier in the whole series, Kenya had brought the fact that you know uh, he makes, and I'm paraphrasing the line, but he says. Uh, you know, me and your mom fight. Like, I'm more concerned for when the, the, the fighting stops, which is such a poisonous fucking thing to say. And uh, Drea basically ends the whole series or the whole season going, you know, my family and I, you know, th- we fight, but that's how we grow. You know, it's like countries, you know, having war in order to grow. And I was like, that's not why countries have wars. Typically, it's because they want, you know, their oil or something like that. So when she used that analogy, I was sitting there going, really? That's the one you're going with? And I believe the last line she says is, you know, and if I know my family, we're going to be fighting for a long time, which is such a bleak way to look at your family. But it's supposed to be some sort of hopeful moment. And I thought that was actually worse, that that's how they went ahead and played it. Um, I would have turned down I would have turned down her application just on principle just for ending it like that. Uh, wrapping up here, like I said, there are some historical uh, moments stuff that I that I did enjoy. Um, I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, a, a couple other things I just didn't enjoy. He has, uh, uh, Kenya has this kind of diatribe about, you know, keeping your homies, uh, you know, keeping your homies with you. And he's got this, uh, brother named, uh, Brooklyn, I want to say, uh, oh no, Broadway, pardon me, um, that he keeps around, you know, kind of like his, uh, that, that, that friend who keeps it real with him. And I was sitting there. And Broadway's a piece of crap. He just walks into the fridge, opens up the orange juice, and drinks straight from the carton. He's he's taking their mail. It looks like there was they got like a check or something like that. Just takes the check, puts down his pants. I'm like, why the fuck are you keeping him around? And the show plays it off like, oh man, you know they are with you from day one, so you're obligated to go ahead and take care of them. It's like, not when they're being that niggerish. What the fucking fuck? Like, it drove me insane that the show really leaned into that and went, well, boys are going to be boys. I mean, the show really stopped just short of saying boys will be boys. And, uh, okay, you know what? I came into this going to give it a, a D-. minus. I really thought that's where I was going with it. But, honestly, I'm thinking about the fact that Yes, yeah, someone someone will put together the historical clips of of Black AF on YouTube as a compilation. It will probably be like six, seven minutes long. You don't have to sort through eight episodes of bullshit to get some good stuff. Um, when I think about just the fact that where the show started, 
with how irritated I was to the show really ending with me being irritated too. Um, I don't know what to say, like, anything else outside of that. Um, it's a really frustrating show. I've seen him, I've seen, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Kenya Barnes, I've seen him do good stuff. It's really kind of baffling to see that this is what he put out with Netflix, pretty much giving free reign to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Uh, um, I gotta give this a... Uh, you know, I gotta give this, uh, I, mm, I'm gonna give this an F. I'm not gonna get up and go fuck yourself just because of, of some of the historical shit. And there was a, I think it's episode two, they introduce the fact that Kenya bought this black, black painting. And it seems like it, it, it's not gonna go anywhere, but they actually did a good wrap up of what that painting meant at the end. <coughs> Pardon me. So I went, you know what, fair enough. So that's really, those couple things are what's saving it from a go fuck yourself. Um, but yeah, honestly, guys, uh, I would wait until someone puts together a YouTube compilation of this and go ahead and just check out the, you know, the eight or nine minutes or so of the show that are worth watching. But it's not worth you sitting through eight episodes to go ahead and get those great uh, pieces. It's really not. So yeah, wait for a compilation. Um, if this show gets a second season, I'm going to be very pissed off. I mean, knowing my luck, Bruce Brothers and this will get <laughs> will get a season renewal, and I'll have to sit here and cry. But yeah, um, yeah, this is this is disappointing, and I'm gonna say it, guys. I mean, the show talks about it, and that episode five that I was referring to, uh, just because this is a black show, does not mean that this gets a pass. Uh, we get very few at bats. You know, um, and the fact that he really took a slot that could have gone to another uh, to another black writer to go ahead and maybe do their own thing. And this is what he did with it. He yeah, this is really disappointing. But uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, guys, have you seen hashtag black AF? God, just even saying that just sounded gross. But have you seen Black AF? Let us know what you thought in the comments below. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook at The Real Pineapple. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter at JHunterRealPineapple. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Nearman the First, And you can follow Colin on Twitter at The Real, that's R-E-E-L, O'Neill. And you can go ahead and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio at the Real Pineapple. Uh, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll have review. We'll have reviews up soon for uh, gonna review Batman Begins because yeah, um, yeah, I just love that movie. Never reviewed it, so we're gonna have a review up for that, uh, and then uh, along with some other stuff as well, uh, including defending Jacob uh, this upcoming week. Uh, which I'm really excited to watch because I'm hearing great stuff. So, But guys, thank you so much for your support. Please stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.